to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Hey guys. Um, so as Stephanie said, I'm Ashley, and I do want to tell you about myself, but I wanted to give God a little praise. And so on Monday night, I, I lost my voice completely, and through two very long days of trying to do vocal rest, not so good at that, it's really hard for me, um, I was able to get my voice back through y'all's prayers and just through um, God obviously wanting me to be here tonight. And so I'm just so thankful to get to teach in Philippians tonight. And so. I wanted to tell you a little bit about myself, and so I'm a graduate of UNT. I swam here for four years. Uh, it was a great experience, and a part of my backstory was I was raised in a family where going to church every week was kind of the typical thing, and so through the process of that, uh, I didn't really have an experience with Christ where my life was really changed until I was a sophomore in high school. It was at that point um, I realized that my perfection that I thought I could attain was never going to meet the expectation that God would want for me. And so um, I had tried um, to please others, my coaches, my parents, and ultimately this good girl act I thought would fool everybody, it ultimately did not. And so it was through um, just the process of being invited into community that I learned that uh, Christ had paid for the wrongdoings I had done against him and that ultimately he didn't need me to fix myself to come to him and so from that experience being forward, um, I, I really just learned what community looked like. And um, I came to college, and I did not have that. And so I didn't actively try to get involved. I went to church. Um, but I soon found myself really getting sucked in to the atmosphere, uh, the social atmosphere of the athlete life, or just college. And I found myself really enslaved um, to partying. And um, I'm so thankful for how God intervened in my life again and just how he walked me away from a path of dis disobedience to actually the doors of this BSM. And so um, I find myself standing here tonight just because of the persistence of the community I found here. I was challenged in maturity, uh, shown what it looks like to really read my Bible and become devoted to looking at scripture and ultimately being challenged to do evangelism. And so those were all things that I gained from walking in, into these doors, and I'm so thankful for that. And so I tell you this because a lot of what we're gonna be talking through tonight is gonna be through what happens when you encounter Christ, what you're called to as a Christian, and ultimately um, what happens from that, what maturity that looks like. And so I wanna start off with this question. What takes a man from being a persecutor of the church to sharing the gospel everywhere he went. And so um, we've, we've talked the past two weeks that the letter of uh, Philippians was written by Paul. And so we're going to look back in Paul's story in Acts 9. Um, you see that Paul is on this road called Damascus. And as he's walking, he's actually in pursuit of um, imprisoning men and women for their faith. And so it's in this time, while he's walking on this road, that he, he experiences Christ for the first time. Jesus appears to him and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And it's in this moment his life is radically changed. He goes from imprisoning Christians to actually in this text we'll see that he's imprisoned on Christ's behalf. And so my question tonight is what did Paul experience that caused this radical change into sharing the gospel, into maturity, and so far. And so, if we look at it, it's this. That Paul understood that there was a brokenness of himself and man 
that he could never attain through trying to abide in the law, that he could not be the perfect person, that ultimately that there's a missing piece, and God, being the good God that he was and is, sent his son, Jesus, to live the perfect life. He lived daily in the temptations that we walk through, and he never succumbed to them. He then bore the wrath of God, all of it, for every sin, every wrongdoing, on the cross, and then he resurrected, proving that he was God. And so through believing in that, Paul's life was changed. And so if we're to follow in Paul's footsteps, a heart transformation like that, he, he went through the verse Matthew 28, 19, you can see this. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this command is pretty clear. We are called to share the gospels as believers. The gospel, not so just that, but basically we're also called to be disciples. A disciple literally means to help another person understand the word of God to become matured. And so to do that, you have to become matured yourself, right? And so um, I feel like when I was reading through this text, I, I, I grasped that Paul understood this. In Galatians 2.20, another letter that Paul wrote, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. So Paul understood this. He gave his life to work for ministry for the kingdom of God. And so if we're honest with how we live our life, if Christ is truly living in you, we should be burdened for what burdens God's heart. We should be burdened for the people who are lost, and we should be, as maturing Christians, called to go and share this good news to them. And so as we walk through the text tonight, I want to ask you, is this something that you're actively pursuing? Now, if anyone's like me, um, I was not challenged to share the gospel until I came to the BSM. I was quite terrified, actually, um, I was afraid I'd say the wrong thing or that someone would judge me or call me a hypocrite or something along those lines. And um, I just want to tell you um, that God is a good God who doesn't expect us to do this on our own. He's given us a helper. In Acts 1-8, it says this, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us power to go and be witnesses. A witness literally is a person who sees and acknowledges something that they've seen. And so a scenario of this would be um, from your typical CSI TV show, right? So you have the person who's seen some kind of crime and they take the stand and they testify about what is truth, what they have seen. And so we are called to go and share the truth about Christ. We are called to be witnesses in the same sense declaring the truth of what Christ did for us on the cross. And so... Another place, uh, Jesus tells us that he's going to send a helper, that the Holy Spirit, in John 14, 26, it says this, that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, who will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And so for the fear that I had that I wouldn't be able to say the right words, I can depend on the Holy Spirit to give me the knowledge of the things that I have read through my Bible daily. He will bring those and recollect them to my memory as I'm having a conversation with a person whom I have never heard the gospel. And so, tonight as we walk through this text, we're going to look at our duty, our faithfulness to share the gospel, and what it looks like to really grow in maturity and look like to have an obedient lifestyle. And so tonight, we're going to be in Philippians 1, 12 through 26. And um, the big numbers are the chapters, and the small numbers are the verses. And so, 
It says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from, the, from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to, me, for to me is to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And so, in verse 12 through 14, the first thing that I noticed was that Paul is literally saying that his imprisonment is serving to advance the gospel. Now, for me, I was like, wait, hold on. You're telling me that being kept confined is going to somehow share, like, spread the gospel? And so, in verse 13 and 14, Paul doesn't let us kind of keep waiting for an answer, right? How is this happening? He tells us in verse 13 that the entire imperial guard and to all the rest that that the imprisonment is for Christ. So basically, his captors, the one who are keeping him and refraining him from leaving, are being able to hear about what, what has been going on in Paul's life. And so he is literally testifying to his life about what Christ has done to those who, are imprisoned, who have imprisoned him. And so in verse 14, we see not only has that taken place, but that his brothers are becoming more bold to speak the word without fear. So... When I was looking through this, I wanted to kind of look into the context of what's going on in these young men's life, right? And so at this point, there's a reality of death for them, that the persecution of the church is real. We see that through Paul's imprisonment, but also in Acts 7, we see Stephen is stoned for his faith, and James, the brother of John, was killed in Acts 12. And so this wasn't some faint-hearted fear. This was something that was literally going on in their life. And so I know for me, I confess that I do have a spirit of fear sometimes. But Owens 8.15 is something that encourages me because God's word is powerful. It says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of, as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so those of you who feel fearful, speaking to the kids sitting next to you in your class that you know doesn't know God, I ask you, what is holding you back? What is the worst thing that could happen as you're sharing the gospel with them? That they reject you or that they become your brother and sister in Christ? And so um, from that, in verse 15 and 18, we're just going to kind of skim through this real quick. Um, we see Paul talking about difference in motives. It says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, 
Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. We see that there's two types of people. There are people who are proclaiming it with love and those who are doing it from jealousy. But that doesn't hinder Paul. He doesn't get caught up with the wrong motives. He is just joyful in the fact that the gospel is being spread, that the motives aren't going to hinder the message because the message is good. And so as believers, obviously, we want our motives to be pure and blameless before the Lord, but ultimately, that comes with maturity and obedient living. And so we can walk through that in verses 19 and 20. He says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And so we see here that Paul had a genuine faith. He had faith in God's ability to deliver him from his imprisonment. Now, this deliverance wasn't something like a spiritual battle. It was his literal, literal liberation from prison. He, he knew that God was going to be able to free him from this. And so we also see that Paul understands that prayer is going to be the method that God is going to use to free him from this. He's using the ministry of the people from the Philippian church and the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. And so it shows that the Holy Spirit has boundless resources, that it can do all things through prayer, through faith. And so I think most importantly, we need to understand the power of those two things combined, that there is power in prayer and faith in the Holy Spirit and in God. And so we see in verse 20 um, that Paul's hope is that he would never be ashamed of proclaiming the gospel. I am guilty of this myself and feeling hindered from fear, but we should not be ashamed to share the good news. We understand that Paul understands his own reality and death in this moment, but he is not hindered by that. He wants everything in his life to be magnifying, ma magnifying Christ through his body. And so I was really challenged as I was walking through this text and how and ways I could improve in this. And so um, God does not expect perfection from us, but he does expect us to be obedient to what he's called to in our life. And so the next thing, I'm going to read verses 21 through 26. So it's a little bit of a big chunk. But really just when you're looking at how Paul faces these two options between life or death. He says, for, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So we see here that Paul, Paul's desire, his true heart's desire is to be with Christ. He understood that being with Christ in heaven meant not having to have feet that stray away, not having moments of disobedience, that it was going to be so much better than the circumstances he was in. He was imprisoned. Of course being with Christ would be a better option. But he also understood that to stay meant fruitful labor, fruitful labor as in advancing the gospel. He understood that if Christ was really going to be magnified in his body, that he had to be the ultimate servant, even to the point of death. And so we see here that he is denying his desires. He is having faith in prayer and living unashamed of the gospel, which ultimately leads to fruitful labor. And so if we were to follow in Paul's footsteps, this is, the, this is what's going to lead to your fruitful labor. And so going back to verse 21, we see that he's really hard-pressed between these two, right? He's saying, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He understands his circumstance. He understands that he's in jail, but he also understands that he gains everything in Christ. 
that ultimately through living his life for Christ and the time he has will be more productive for those that are around him. And although that death might also be a possibility, he understands that ultimately the personal advance of the gospel is important for his life. And so through Paul's example that we see through walking in obedience, putting God's desires above our own, having Christ truly honored in your body, ultimately leads to fruitful labor. The personal advancement of the gospel begins and ends with this question. Are you ready to step in faith, prayer, obedience to what God has called us to as believers? And so I want to stop with this one last text. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Typically, in this section of the Bible, it has a header called Ambassadors of Reconciliation. And so I wanted to walk through this. An ambassador is a person from another country who speaks on behalf of his or her own country. This literally means that we, as believers, are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. Huh, that's our header for this season. <laughs> and so um, if we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are here on this earth so that we could testify about our own country, which is heaven. And so reconciliation means the restoration of friendly relations. So our purpose as believers is to help others find the same restoration we have found in Christ. Restoration meaning the act of returning something to its former owner, place, or condition. We are helping others recognize the perfection that we had once had in the beginning that we can now have with Christ today. And so as you go into your connect groups tonight, I want you guys to really just walk through these questions. If we are ambassadors of reconciliation, we are called to share the news of Christ's death and resurrection. If you believe in Christ, are you doing this? If not, what's holding you back? Are you living with a spirit of fear? Is it from a spirit of disobedience? Or can you truly identify yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ? And for those of you that this might be your first time hearing the gospel, I just encourage you to walk through that with your connect group leaders or your connect group. Um, and if you have any questions, ask, ask, ask about it. Um, I know that for me, encountering Christ for the first time completely changed the direction and path of my future, and I'm so thankful for that. And so I'm just going to pray for us real quick before we go off into our groups. God, I just, I thank you for what you have done for us. I thank you that you sent your son to bear the wrath of every wrongdoing we've ever done, just so that we could have a relationship with you. And God, I just pray for tonight, for the people in this room, Lord, that they would feel challenged in a new way. God, that they will experience what it looks like to walk in faith and prayer, obedience to the calling that you have had in our lives, God. And so I just pray as we go into these groups that we'd have good conversations, that this would be a place for deep connections and relationships to form that ultimately push others to grow closer to you. In heavenly name I pray, amen.